When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to Pod Like a Raven, I'm Antonio Barbera, once again, indoors, bored, less and less to do, less and less on Netflix, but there's always stuff to talk about when you're talking about the Ravens and the NFL. I'm joined in D.C., so close and yet so far, by Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Yeah, thank God for the NFL, right? We have news, we have things to discuss uh, the Ravens love dropping news the day we release episodes, because if you don't know how podcasts work, we record them the day before. So that's always fun. Um, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well, but I am very disappointed in, in our other co-host here. And we'll get to it in a second if we'd like. But you, if you saw the picture on Twitter, at Pod Like a Raven, the mustache was just, I mean, the quarantine facial hair was at peak levels. We get on our call today to record this, and it's gone. It's completely gone. Babyface Jace Evans over here. I'll introduce him for you today, Antonio. Jace, from California, what happened, man? What happened? Uh, it was just, it was becoming a lot. It was, it was, it was growing and just getting in the way of my face, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what I was doing with eating food and things like that, just sitting still and you could feel it. It was a, it was just a, it hit a point of no return for me, and I, I just was like, we just got to take it all and start fresh. <laughs> Tim, in a way, it's great that we got that photo and, and, and posted that so that, right. first of all, we could prove that it really happened, because otherwise Jace could have had an out <laughs> that he never never had a mustache. I'm, all, I'm disappointed as say? well. Uh, it's not like you were going to be going outside, really, anytime soon, so you could have kept it. You could have kept it going, but... You know, I, I understand. Uh, I understand. And you're looking clean clean today. Yeah. It's, every time I shave, I'm like, oh, wow, it looks better. And then I just let it 
grow back out of laziness mostly. <laughs> this week, we have a few Ravens new, uh, notes to go over, some NFL news, uh, and then something a little bit different as, as we plow through off-season episodes of, of Pod Like a Raven. Today's uh, NFL topic of the week is going to be the best and worst quarterback situations. Uh, which five teams have the best quarterback situation today and moving forward, and which five teams are just in uh, in a bit of trouble uh, for next season and for the seasons after that. So before we fully move away from the NFL draft, you know, we're about two weeks out from it now. Um, the dust has settled a little, little bit, so wanted to just go around the around the table one one more time and, and see if you had any final thoughts, any final notes about the draft now that you've sort of had some time to, to think about it? I mean, for me, the biggest thing is I'm just still so excited about what the Ravens did. Um, re-listening to our episode of Pod Like a Raven, I wake up every morning to an email from The Athletic saying, here's uh, our ranking or whoever's ranking of the best draft classes and the Ravens are almost always at number one. Uh, recently read a piece uh, the other day of I can't remember. Apologies, I can't remember who the guy is, but one of these guys who breaks down tape all the time, and he and he does, he did from rounds one through four. My favorite picks in terms of scheme fit, uh, in terms of scheme fit, excuse me. And I was scrolling, scrolling a little bit. There's some other random picks in there. That he loves Burrow. You know, bold take. Great, thanks. And then they get to a certain linebacker at LSU who is now going to wear number 48 for the Baltimore Ravens. And it was about a two-page spread on how Harbaugh and Wink are already in love with his versatility, (laughs) his speed, what he can do, how he can drop in coverage but also send him as a blitzer, how they can even put him on the edge in some situations, which I thought was interesting. So I think we we got wrapped up in the draft, obviously, uh, a couple weeks ago and watched it that entire weekend and – it's funny that the more we get away from it, I'm almost more excited about what they did, and I just can't wait to see them in pads. Oh, it's um, so exciting. And, you know, selfishly, I think we all – I mean, I don't even know if it's selfishly. Obviously, with the coronavirus pandemic going on, a lot up in the air. I really want this NFL season to happen, obviously, because, boy, are the Ravens loaded. <laughs> it would be um, ideal for them to be playing football, uh, even if it is in a fanless capacity. Because, like you said, I think this class is awesome. The Dobbins pick keeps growing on me. The more I sit on it, I'm very excited to see what he does with the Ravens. Um, and one guy I wanted to shout out that we didn't bring up last week, we didn't discuss any of the uh, undrafted free agents, um, uh, Bronson Rex Steiner, fullback from Kennesaw State, the son of wrestling legend Rick, uh, uh, Rick Steiner, excuse me, maybe I wanted to say Snyder for some reason, I bought pretzels, I guess, today, Snyder's on the brand, but son of Rick Steiner, uh, Rick Steiner, I did it again, son of Rick Steiner. So let's take a pause real legendary- quick, the big, one of the bigger news of the week for us is that Jace went grocery shopping a few days ago, and I'm starting to figure out more and more of what dominated the grocery list there, Jace. There's the thing of pretzels right on top of the bag. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, son of Rick Steiner, uh, of the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, wrestling legends, a fullback from the FCS school, Kennesaw State. I don't know. I don't know much about him as a player, but Bronson Rex Steiner, what a name, a fullback, son of a wrestling legend. I hope he makes the team. Let's just let's just think about a, a and yeah, we'll see because... The Ravens, if there is one team in the NFL that would keep two fullbacks 
it would be the Ravens. They already have Patrick Ricard, who is clearly the number one guy there uh, in that slot and also plays a little defensive tackle. That's why he's one of my favorite players. But Rex Steiner and Ricard on either side of Lamar Jackson and the pistol with Ingram behind him just saying, come at us, bring it on, and just send everybody rushing forward, just do halfback dives up and down the field with a little option mixed in there. I mean, look, for me, that would be incredibly fun. It'd be awesome on the field, and I think off the field, you know, you get a Steiner Brothers promo from for the Ravens, like legendary tag team wrestling duo, <laughs> the Steiner Brothers, and uh, you know Scott, maybe a little more famous, but Rick Steiner, you know, hyping up the Ravens. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm That'd all be for awesome. it. Yeah, I'm all for it. The Ravens, famous for keeping at least one undrafted rookie seemingly every season i don't have all the exact numbers in front of me of how many seasons in a row that's happened but sort of the baltimore ravens are notorious for finding uh like a diamond in the rough every season so i i wonder if it's one of those uh one of those <laughs> names you you just mentioned jace for me from the draft look goodell was weird and he got weirder and weirder i feel like maybe <laughs> we didn't talk about that enough last week uh a lot of stories have been written about it, a lot of memes, a lot of photos, just how round by round he got more and more reclined, more and more comfortable. Uh, jacket became a sweater, a sweater became like pajama pants by the fifth round. So that Goodell just trying to, trying his best to be a human, but we know he's just a robot in, in a human's body. And then uh, I guess slightly more serious NFL note is I don't think any of us expected the Patriots to enter the season with Jared Stidham as the starter and Brian Hoyer as the backup, as the only quarterbacks really on the roster. We really thought they'd go into the draft, maybe even try to draft a Jordan Love, maybe even try to trade up and and get one of the top three quarterbacks that were in the draft, maybe a Jalen Hurts in the second round, and they did none of that. Um, So it looks like Jared Stidham's the guy, and there's just so little to go off of for what Stidham will be, can be for the Patriots, so... At this point in time, with most of the veteran quarterbacks getting signed, which we will get into a little bit, a little bit later, it looks like Stidham is is the guy. There's not a few, lot of other players that could potentially take that spot, and it's going to be a Bill Belichick just in the lab, creating an offense that's going to work around an unproven player. And, and the draft certainly just <laughs> made that more and more apparent to me. So that's going to do it for the draft. Want to get into some Ravens news quickly? We talked about it a little bit last week because said player had just been released. And then Tim had a thought about what that player could then do. And then the Ravens listened to Tim. Uh, So DJ Fluker, the guard who was released by the Seattle Seahawks, I think a day later or the same day, signed by the Ravens. Tim, plug and play, starter. Tell us about the uh, the addition to the Ravens offensive line. Whether it's the draft or free agency, the Baltimore Ravens love shopping at the University of Alabama. Uh, Roll Tide with DJ Fluker, former first-round pick, 6'5", 342 pounds, an absolute road grader. If you didn't see his intro video, he reported, he broke the news that he was coming to Baltimore while he was just lifting an insane amount of weight with some hype song in the background. I was all for it. Um, This is... This is a move that the Ravens absolutely needed to make. They were not going to start the 2020 season with Bozeman, Sakura, or Makari. 
if if Sakura is not completely healthy, and then a rookie right guard, whether it be Bredesen or Ben Powers, the second-year man. That's too much inexperience for a team, as Jace mentioned before, is loaded and ready for a Super Bowl run. The window is now. Um, so they add a veteran. I know there's there's a little trepidation with him. Um, he hasn't really lived up to the first-round pick status. He played, I think, the fourth-most snaps excuse me, on the Seahawks' offense last season, so relatively healthy. He's only 29. It's a one-year deal. It's, it's a prove it to me now, and maybe we'll think about it later. Um, and the other thing, and this is something that we've seen with the Ravens for years now with guys like Eric Weddle, um, with guys like Steve Smith, when that, when that move happened, they want to come because this is a championship franchise that's ready to win titles now. Quote, this is from, he was talking with Matt Zenit, who actually used to work in Baltimore reporting on the Ravens, now works for AL.com reporting on the Crimson Tide. Quote, they're a cha- and this is what Fluker said, they're a championship contender and that's what it's about. It's about what they stand for and what they're trying to do. They want to win a Super Bowl and that's what I'm looking forward to. They got me right there. That's what drives me being able to run the ball, be myself, be physical and be a team player. And his agent was the one who reached out to the Ravens. It was not the other way around. They said, they said, look, our guy's available. Let's get this done. He wants to come to Baltimore. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, elongate this negotiation for a few million dollars here or there. Let's make this work for, for both sides. And, and look, I'm ecstatic about this move. I know it's not premier. It's not, it's clearly not Marshall Yonda. I think it's stupid to even talk about those type of comparisons. But it's a veteran presence along that offensive line, on the interior of that offensive line, which they so desperately needed. And it's a guy who fits their scheme. He wants to destroy defensive tackles and linebackers. He does not want to sit back in pass protection. He did allow six sacks last year, which is a little bit of a concern. But especially when your quarterback is Russell Wilson, who is incredibly hard to bring down. But (laughs) a road grader type of guy for the Ravens who can play – hopefully play and play well in all 16 games in the regular season, whatever it is, and give time for guys like Bredesen and Phillips to develop and fill that role when he leaves next offseason or if they extend him, you know, the next couple of offseasons, whatever it is. That's I, I think you nailed it, Tim. Yeah, uh, Fluker's an imperfect player. I think that's kind of evidenced by, you know, how he's bounced around. This will be his fourth team now, and he's still under 30, I believe. And uh, But... uh you know, so he has his flaws, but like you said, um, he is a lot less of a question mark than the guys that were potentially going to fill that role um, in either the rookies they drafted or, you know, Makari, maybe Ben Powers. So I think at the very least, we know DJ Fluker is an NFL player. <laughs> He's good enough to be an NFL starter. Um and that's more than we can say of anyone they definitely had on the roster because we just don't know. So I'm great. I think that's a great move. I think it, you know, reinforces depth at the very least on the offensive line. But it seems like he Fluker should be the starter. Um, and like you said, gives time to for them to find maybe a long term solution there. This, I mean, you guys have covered just about all of it. This move is that's so Ravens. Uh, we've seen this happen before. <laughs> The Bryant McKinney's of the world, the Eugene Monroe's of the world, veteran guys where you didn't have to give up a lot or anything to get them on cheap, short deals to just plug them in and and have them play for a season or two as you develop other players. I love this move. Please be healthy and, and play 16 games. 
one thing too, Antonio, before we move on, just to add another thing that I think is interesting is that there's been this debate about the Ravens rushing game and uh, will the weapons, will the free agent weapons want to come to Baltimore? Now, one, that's not usually how they uh, build their team. So I don't think it's that big of a question. Um, to take you behind the curtain, the whole Antonio Brown having a snap story of him in a Ravens jersey is not on our rundown because we're not going to talk about it because it's not going to happen. Um, but that being said, whatever you whatever you think on the debate of will this running old school style make receivers not want to come to the Baltimore Ravens or weapons not want to come. The fact of the matter is offensive linemen want to play in this system. They want to play for Greg Roman where Greg Roman says, you see that man on the other side of the ball? I want you to beat him up every single day. You're going at him. He is not coming at you most of the time. And if you do it successfully, we'll just keep running it down their throat. That's what offensive linemen want to hear. They, they want to run block. They want to attack. They don't want to sit back in pass protection, even if they are good at it, Ronnie Stanley. Um, so I think that's a very interesting thing that you could see down the line. I mean, for however long this goes where this Ravens rushing attack is so dominant, it's always going to be able to bring in guys like this that could, you know, God willing, make an immediate positive impact on the team. Next news coming from the Ravens. And we're in the week of NFL teams uh, picking up or declining fifth-year options for their drafted players not for this season, but the fifth-year option for two years from now. And the Ravens did that with one of the best players on their team in Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Fifth-year option, officially picked up, not a big surprise. Uh, He will be with the team through 2021, and then from there on, they will have to strike some sort of long-term deal. Guys, thumbs up or thumbs down on the Ravens picking up Humphrey's fifth-year option? Uh, Yeah, massive thumbs up. Um... In short, we don't have to talk about how great Humphrey is. Everybody knows that he's a lockdown corner, maybe one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, but I think he is one of the guys that will get paid past 2021 or, or, or whatever Lamar's deal is up, 2022, whatever it is. I can't remember the exact year. But we've talked about this a number of times. There are particular guys on this team that will get paid past that date and nobody else will. The Ravens will save as much money as they can, much like what the Chiefs are doing with Patrick Mahomes. Um, and speaking of Mahomes, just an interesting fact about this, I, I'm looking at the 2017 NFL draft right now. These are the first-round picks that would get these options picked up. There is arguably four guys that might be better than Marlon Humphrey that were picked ahead of him. We, the Ravens picked 16th in that draft. And just reading real quickly... Miles Garrett went one, not better. Mitchell Trubisky, Solomon Thomas, Leonard Fournette, Corey Davis, Jamal Adams, arguably one, Mike Williams, the wide receiver out of Clemson, no. Christian McCaffrey, you could debate. John Ross, Patty Mahomes, okay. Super Bowl winner, MVP, yada, yada. Marshawn Lattimore, baby Deshaun Watson, if you want. Hassan Reddick, Derek Barnett, and Malik Hooker were all players drafted before Marlon Humphrey. So, I mean, we don't have to do the whole retrospective bit and talk more about the drafts, but an incredible selection by Baltimore, obviously. And we'll talk about some of these guys in a minute. Did not get fifth-year options, and rightfully (laughs) so. I think the Ravens just obviously make the common-sense move here and and, uh, extend him. Yeah, I you know, um, and especially with the fifth-year option, it's just nice to have an extra year to figure all that stuff out. Like you said, Tim, they're going to have to save some money uh, for Lamar's pending 
uh, extension. Um, and also, Jalen Ramsey is likely to reset what quarterbacks get made <laughs> or get paid. So, um, yeah, to not have to do that with Humphrey for another two years, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, sensible move. And then the, f- the last... Raven note is uh, something that had been sort of rumored and and discussed a week ago, but was official as of today, and that's the signing of uh, backup linebacker Jake Ryan, who was a backup with a few teams uh, and signed a one-year deal with the Ravens. Going to compete, I suppose, for for a starting spot, but is is mostly going to be a guy to to fill in snaps uh, in in a reserve role, going to compete with the likes of LJ Fort, um, rookie Malik Harrison, uh, and play behind uh, Patrick Queen. So, guys, any thoughts on uh, on Jake Ryan joining the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, he, it's interesting. I know he's dealt with some injuries. He's only played two games since 2017. Um, so, you don't know what to expect from him. But he was solid with Green Bay, and he's still, uh, you know, under 30. He's uh, 28 years old right now, so... I don't know. It can't hurt to bring in and have competition of, as we've said, entering the draft. Now they did address that in a significant way, but entering the draft, you'd probably say linebacker was like the least depth or least strong position group the Ravens probably had, um, and certainly in the middle. So I don't know. I think it can't hurt kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, Just bring in some veteran experience, and if he wins the job, great. Yeah, outside of a linebacker wearing a number in the forties, which I just don't need to <laughs> don't need to talk about again because he wears forty seven apparently, or did with Green Bay and Jacksonville. I mean, yeah, you nailed it, Jace. He was he only played two games with Jacksonville because of injury, which is classic. They signed this this quote unquote marquee free agent, and then he just busts his knee, which is just horrible. But in three seasons with Green Bay, he started twenty seven games in three seasons. Here, he had over a hundred tackles combined. Um, and in 2016 and 2017, the years where he was primarily a starter, he totaled 163 tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. So, I mean, look, I think I think opening day, it's it's Queen and LJ Fort. I think ideally, if this all goes to plan, it's Queen and Malik Harrison as your two inside linebackers at the end of the year. But having a guy like Ryan, where again, if you're if you're running all the time, going after the quarterback a lot, you need to make uh, you need to have depth at that position. You know, we saw guys like Josh Bynes last year play incredibly well in that role for this team. Now, Ryan's not going to have nearly as much of a workload because there's just more depth there now than there was last season. But for a guy who's going to be your fourth middle linebacker, probably, take a take a risk on a guy who might have some injury problems, but when healthy is incredibly productive. I'm, I'm, I'm not over the moon or anything, but I'm completely fine with this move. What's been interesting to me is at the end of last season and as we got into the middle of the offseason, we outlined, I mean, not just us, the, all of Ravens media and NFL media, outlined the Ravens' biggest positions of need. And the vast majority of those positions have now been just a bunch of resources have been thrown at those positions. The inside of the offensive line, the linebacker position. However, the one spot that we they really haven't touched seemingly is pass rusher. And I know we're talking about the addition of, of Jake Ryan here, but I just use it as an example of how they picked up guys in certain positions. And I, I love sort of a no-risk, high-upside linebacker, you know, who has had injury problems. And if he figures that out, or if he avoids it at least, could have a productive year or more with the Ravens in a, in a backup role. But 
I'm, you know, is it that there's just not that much supply when it comes to pass rush? Is it too expensive? Are they still going to try to make one last addition uh, as the offseason rolls along? Or uh, just curious as to your guys' thoughts on that, Chase? Yeah. Yeah, I think because it's such a premium position, you know, I think they get Campbell in and, you know, the Brockers thing falls apart, but then you get Derek Wolf on a, I believe it was a one-year deal, they reach with him. And you would like to try to get younger, probably, (laughs) Um, but so I wouldn't have hated if they drafted, like, one pass rusher in the draft, but I think they're probably just, A, relying on people they have in the building, and B, I do think... Um, just because rushing the passer is so important, I think even some of these fringe guys are gone already. Like, you know, rotation piece or potential just uh, a guy like Ryan where you're like, yeah, he's had some injury problems, but it's worth a flyer. I think uh, just because of the nature of the passing league, I think these guys are just gone already at this point of the year. There's a guy still sitting there that Antonio talks about. The longer we sit here, the more his price is going to go... Jadavion Clowney is not joining the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to really uh, tempt everybody there. I I think. I think it, it. The problem is the premium. They don't have a lot of money to work with. Again, they're not going to invest money in a guy past the Lamar date. You know, that's always going to factor in. They're going to bring in guys who can be maybe solid contributors, um, but don't are not incredibly um, just expensive. And I think they tr- – I really think they trust a guy like Jalen Ferguson to come on. Now, again, if we're going to have three of our four middle line or linebackers, excuse me, wear numbers in the 40s, I'm going to be furious. I'm going to be furious. I know exactly but, what to get Tim as a gift uh, before the season starts. Uh, just come on. 45, 48, and then it's like Jake Ryan's in there, 47. Like, LJ Fort's the only one holding it down with 58. Um, but – I think they believe in him as a guy who can rush the passer, but also a bigger body can help set the edge, a la Jared Johnson type for Ravens fans of of you know the past teams, obviously. But I think it's one of those things they're not going to overpay. They're going to do like you talked about with on the offensive line with guys like McKinney and Eugene Monroe, where they find guys to bring in, whether it's through minuscule trades or, or late additions. Now this off season is completely wacky due to the coronavirus, but. I think they wait, they wait, they wait. Maybe a guy gets cut in camp, uh, a veteran player. Uh, uh, you know, it didn't work out, but a Shane Ray type, if you remember. The Ravens signed him last offseason. He didn't make the team. But that's a guy that they're going to – that's the type of guy they'll wait for. And then from there, I think they also trust Wink. Like, the, the, the defense the defense that they run is so blitz-heavy, not only because they didn't really have a premium pass rusher. It's because Wink wants to send the boys at the quarterback all the time. That's that is his style of defense. So you, if he's thinking of creative ways, and they believe in him to think of creative ways to get after the passer, which we've seen, I don't think they necessarily think they need to spend all the money on a guy when they've got a cornerback that needs to be paid. They've got two tackles that need to be paid. If you're going to try and keep both of them, that's a conversation for down the line. And obviously a quarterback who, if he continues to play at the level that he's at, is going to become the richest player in NFL history when he signs a contract. Yeah, so that's that's all we have for, for Ravens news and notes this week. Uh, next week we'll make sure to bring you the Jadevian Clowney news about uh, being added on to the Ravens. Defensive line, no. One year, five million. <laughs> it is strange that he still, I suppose this is just a game of chicken between him and the few teams that, that are interested in, in him and, and can afford him, but it is strange that he's still sort of hanging around uh, as a free agent. But 
So speaking of, I guess let's pivot to the NFL here. A few sort of quick you know, n- notes before we get into the, uh, the best and worst quarterback situations across the NFL. I wanted to touch on uh, the NFL officially announced that there will be no international games next season. No London games, no Mexico City games. And I just wanted to bring it up because this is base- really the first direct hit to NFL scheduling based on coronavirus. And it may not be the last, um, but this is the first sort of, you know, itch that the NFL has sort of tried to put everything on hold. They're just assuming everything's going to be okay, that the season's going to run exactly when it would have without the coronavirus being an issue. But um, just any thoughts on whether or not this is the NFL sort of finally starting to look ahead to potential long-term ramifications (laughs) Is it possible that the season starts later, that we have empty stadiums, uh, or is the NFL just going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting until September 1st and then finally make big announcements? <laughs> I mean, keeping with the NFL, that probably is what they're going to do, is just kind of wait it out. But, you know, they do have the luxury of time to a degree. You know, these guys' training camps wouldn't start until July. It's still only the first week of May. So, you know, that's two months. Things can change. But I do think... At least personally, I think we are heading to a world where fans aren't in stands this year, and I think that's kind of like, you know, for safety reasons and everything else, It's there. I think it's the NFL being like, well, if we're playing in an empty stadium, there's no reason to, to go overseas, so I think it's kind of just, you know, a contingency thing, and, you know, the NFL isn't, I think, you know, a thing like the NHL's relying on outdoor games and getting fans, like, I don't think the NFL's bottom line is necessarily going to crater because they don't go to London four times or whatever. Like, I think it's a good thing they do, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, the NFL is going to get their money and, um, and just playing in, you know, American stadiums and stuff. And so I think for safety, it just makes sense to just, just because you don't know and just to plan ahead because, you know, people make these trips and stuff to, to like, you know, London to Mexico city from the United States. And so I think it's just, you know, safety for everyone involved and just being like, Oh, we'll just sit this year out. And we'll revisit next year. So I think it's just kind of them doing due diligence, but yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see when they finally have to, when they're forced to make an actual decision about the, the state of the season, I guess. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. I mean, we, we have a decent amount of people that listen to this podcast in the UK. You know, we, we've referenced some guys, the guys at the UK Ravens and stuff have been pretty supportive of us and, and, and give us responses and feedback and stuff, which we always appreciate, you know, shameless plug Twitter and Instagram at pod like a Raven. But, um, I think this is probably the best move. You have to get ahead of these things that take a ton of planning and take, you know, a ton of different aspects and, and all the logistics of, of a international game. I think they're elim- just eliminating that and doing everything they can to just have a, quote unquote regular season <laughs> as regular as it can be um i'm with you the nfl loves money too much to to cancel this season in any way i think they're the one they're the one league that especially like you said because of time they have the time now they're not playing right now it's not baseball basketball hockey whatever it is they're the one i have the most confidence in of like getting off the ground again and just saying we're doing this whether that's yeah. whether that's ignorance <laughs> right. Or, you know, them say, you know, if if they are not paying attention to how serious this is and doing it, or if they really come up with a plan to make everything work as well as it can, I think they will be fine. Um, and then just personally, I'm glad we don't have to go to London because the last time was not 
great. <laughs> yeah, of the smallest importance, but of importance uh, for in terms of Ravens productivity. No London game for Baltimore next season. <laughs> We're not going to miss it. Uh, on a sadder note from the NFL, uh, legendary Hall of Fame coach Don Shula passed away today at age 90. 90 full years. He has 347 total NFL wins, regular season and postseason, which is the most all-time. Uh, most famous for you know the undefeated Miami Dolphins 1972 team. Won two Super Bowls with them, but worth bringing up also on a, on a podcast like Pod Like a Raven because he also won a, uh, a, a quote-unquote NFL championship with the Baltimore Colts as head coach in 1968, which is basically equivalent to a conference championship where the, uh, the Jace, correct me if I get my uh, letters wrong here, but the NFL champion would play the AFL champion in the Super Bowl. Yes, that was yeah pre nineteen seventy. Yeah, that was uh, so they yeah they beat the Browns for the NFL championship, quote unquote, nineteen sixty eight. Shul's career is it's kind of you know might be because he's been retired for twenty five years now. Um, and I you know you think maybe Belichick does have a chance to to maybe hit that wins thing, but he's older than Shula was when Shula retired. His career is astonishing. I mean. You know, 328 regular season wins in 33 years. Like, you do that math. Guy was averaging basically 10 wins a year for over three decades. That's, that's astonishing level of success. His He had a 755 winning percentage with the Colts in seven seasons in the 1960s. He was just... Guy was, you know, he's a legend. And I think what sets a guy like Shula apart and a guy like Tom Landry apart from, like, some of these other great coaches is... You know, I think it, it, it is the longevity to, to innovate, too. He was a run, run, run guy, and then he got Dan Marino, and the Dolphins became, you know, the most prolific passing team in NFL history. Marino's record in 84 is 48 touchdowns stood for 20 years and until Manning broke it. So he he was, like, ahead of his time in that regard in terms of, you know, innovating, and I think seeing where the game was going, too, and that, you know, helped prolong his career. He coached from, uh, what was it? He uh, he became the Colts head coach when he was 33 in 1963, and he didn't retire until 1995. So he just, he, and, you know, two championships. He played in way more. Another uh, He took the Colts to another NFL championship uh, pre-Super Bowl uh, in 64, also against the Browns. Uh, you know, he went also to the Super Bowl, they won back-to-back 72-73, the undefeated team in 72, but they also went in 71, and I believe they lost to the Redskins one year, and then when Marino was there, so, you know, he won something like five or six, you know, conference championships, and he's just had an astonishing career, like you said, legend in every way, an all-time wins leader. <laughs> Couldn't have put it any better myself, we go to our, we go to our resident historian for things like this, Don Shul, it, it's very sad, but um, just a, a, one of the icons of the National Football League, so he will for sure be missed. Yeah, and I mean, to get that many wins, I think, you know, George Hallis was the original all-time wins leader. He was coach and owner of the Bears for over 40 years. Uh, I think he coached, like, something like 43 seasons, 40, like, nearly 45 seasons, maybe. Uh, so for Shula to just, for anyone to break the record, I think no one thought it was going to be done. And then you know, I mean, 33 years, 10 wins a year. Like, yeah, it's hard to even imagine, like, that level of success. <laughs> I think the Dolphins only had, like, three losing, two or three losing seasons the entire time he was there, and he was there 26 years. So, 
you know, yeah, legend, legend. So very sad uh, day in the NFL, but you know, like you said, 90 years, a pretty incredible life in coaching and even after football. Um, so yeah, legend in every way. Chase, you mentioned Bill Belichick as sort of the only guy remotely close or having a chance to, to take on the 3,347 total wins. I believe Belichick has 304. I saw that earlier today, but I can't find it as, as easily right now. I think it's 304. So he could do it, but certainly still has some work to do, especially without uh, the Tom Brady uh, <laughs> partnership. And I just wanted to bring up quickly that 1968 Baltimore Colts team, coached by, by Don Shula, was the team that then lost Super Bowl three to the Jets in the Joe Namath, I guarantee we're going to win game. So there are so many things, you know, so many little fun anecdotes in the NFL that you don't really consider. I don't know a lot of people who would ever think that the Joe Namath game was also a game where Don Shula was coaching, but not the Miami Dolphins <laughs> coaching the Baltimore Colts. So it's just kind of cool. Uh, Don Shula, four-time AP Coach of the Year. No other coach has more than three, which uh, Chuck Knox being the other, and Bill Belichick also having three. So another another record that Belichick uh, is, is chasing, uh, and we'll have to see if he can get a fourth Coach of the Year anytime soon. So that's going to... That's all we have for Don Shula. Um, in more sort of current news, Andy Dalton officially, A, released by the Cincinnati Bengals and then signs with the Dallas Cowboys to back up Dak Prescott. I'm going to toss to you guys. Theoretically. Thoughts yeah, on the Andy Dalton leaving. First of all, leaving the AFC North officially and, and joining the Dallas Cowboys. I have a couple thoughts. Um I think, obviously, it was time for them to move on with a new quarterback, yada, yada, yada. There was talks of maybe they could leave him there for a year and Burrow could kind of learn from him, which, you know, I think that wouldn't be the worst thing. Andy Dalton, pretty much the the line in terms of average NFL quarterbacks um, throughout his career, it seems like, you know, obviously haunted the Ravens on more than one occasion, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, a couple things here. One... First point, I'm glad he's not in New England because that would have been infuriating. Two, you're you're going to sign Andy Dalton and you haven't paid Dak yet? That's very weird. That's a very weird move from Jerry Jones, and people are not very happy about it, obviously because Dalton being the, you know, the butt of the joke a lot of the time um, because of his quote-unquote average play or lack of playoff success, whatever it is. He was with Cincinnati. What was he supposed to do? Um, and and three, I just want to see this. Whether Dak gets paid or not, I want to see Jerry Jones. And I've said this before. It's, it, it's a long, it's a long, 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 long gap or big gap. But my second favorite team is the Dallas Cowboys after the Baltimore Ravens. But it would be hilarious to see them in a playoff game, and Andy Dalton is the one that Jerry Jones has to rely on while his son is wiping off his glasses or whatever it is. And and Jerry Jones is sitting there sweating because the red rifle is trying to lead the Dallas Cowboys to a postseason victory. I think that, I think I just want to see that. I just want that in this NFL season. Yeah. The landing spot to me is way more like, cause like you guys said, pretty expected. I think that the Bengals moved on from him in some way. I think they were hoping to trade him, but it just never 
clearly the the Patriots were the team they were probably trying to trade him to. It just never happened. So they released Dalton, you know, kind of do right by him, I think. Um, like you said, he's tortured the Ravens over the years. Not exactly, not a Hall of Famer or anything, but guys had a great career. And it is interesting, um, you know, Dax on a one-year franchise tender that seems like it's going to pay him around $31 million, I believe is the number. Uh, but he needs a contract. Uh, they can't just keep Kirk Cousins in this, and especially Patrick Mahomes, who we'll get into, I think, in a little bit. When he signs that new deal, and if that's over 200 the franchise tag for quarterbacks is going to be like $50 million a year going forward. So um, the franchise tag seems like it's going to increasingly be kind of unusable for quarterbacks, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, for, for Dalton, I think it kind of, I was surprised at it, but the more you sit on it, it makes a level of sense. He's from Texas. He went to TCU. Uh, he apparently already has a home in the Dallas area. So, uh, you know, with, you know, with the coronavirus situation and stuff, if it may just be a thing where he said, yeah, I'm not sure at this late in the process, if I'll find anything really worthwhile. And if the Patriots didn't want him. He might just be like, hey, I'll just go back up. I don't need to be the first team guy. Get $3 million guaranteed from the Cowboys. And just, you know, reassess next year. Um, I think it would be extremely funny if this ends with uh, Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott, like, I don't know, on, like, the Chargers or out of the Lions. I don't know <laughs> what team would need a QB. <laughs> but, uh, um yeah, I I want the Cowboys to screw this up somehow and have Andy Dalton be their quarterback going forward for comedy purposes. But uh, I think it makes some sense for Dalton. I'm not sure I get it from the Cowboys' perspective, but it's certainly fascinating. <laughs> then the final NFL note, one of the more humorous ones. Speaking of picking up or declining fifth-year options, the Bears decline. Mitch Trubisky's fifth-year option for 2021. The Bears famously traded a lot of picks to move up to the second overall selection in 2017. Did not take Patrick Mahomes, took Mitch Trubisky, who has had three up-and-down seasons with the Bears. In 2018, he uh, he went 11-3 and as a starter and then the following season went eight and seven. The touchdowns went from twenty-four to down to seventeen. Passing yards went down. Uh, the interceptions stayed pretty much the same. And uh, excuse me, Trubisky has just sort of turned into that classic. You know, makes two good plays and then makes a boneheaded play, and that that's sort of been his career for the first three years. But we'll now have one more year in Chicago basically fighting against Nick Foles for, for the starting spot. Uh, your guys' thoughts on uh, on Trubisky. First of all, the Bears declining the option, and then Trubisky moving forward. I think it's the right move. Um, Trubisky is a bust. I don't think he's I, – I, I think he's got some of the physical skills, but you've, we've seen enough at this point to know. And maybe, maybe it's a guy who – different system, different coach, different environment, whatever it is, he succeeds and – he will get paid somewhere else, at least for a, a decent role, um, whether it be a high-level backup or, or a potential starting job with a team with a bad quarterback room. Um, but I think the funniest thing and the thing that will probably happen because it's the Bears is that he is going to light it up this season. Or, like, just enough where they have to think, should we sign him? Like, maybe not Flacco, where you have, like, a record-breaking postseason and then the Ravens basically just have to pay you at that point. You bet on yourself. 
you have to bet on yourself now because the Bears aren't betting on you. And he goes off, and then they have to consider re-signing him, and then maybe they end up this next offseason signing him for pretty big money because he has a relatively <laughs> decent regular season. Tim, let me tell you, well, let me tell you how the season's going to go for the Bears. <laughs> Nick Foles is going to win the starting job. Uh, he's going to have a better camp, better preseason. Uh, he's the sort of you know the veteran, the trusted guy who you know exactly what he's going to give you. You got a, a great defense. Let Foles manage you to wins, and he's going to get a serious injury right around week nine or ten. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's going to come in and win like five out of six games to end the regular season. <laughs> They're going to miss the playoffs by, like, a game. Uh, and then the Bears are going to pay Mitch Trubisky to a big contract. And we're going to start this cycle all over again. I'm very excited for it. Uh, never was a Bears fan, really, for no particular reason. So I, I just want to I want to watch it all uh, unfold and then be built and then crash and burn all over again because it's fun. Similar to you, I have no affinity for the Bears. I don't really care about them or for them. Uh, I think it's funny when they're bad because of how invested, how, like, it, there it I don't is. know, That's very true. their fans are, like, so invested, but I think it's in a way that, like, you know, Cowboys fans are very invested, but that team's not successful, but I think it's because the Cowboys are just, like, shoved down your throat all the time, because they are America's team, they're the most popular team in the NFL, I don't deny that, but with the Bears, they're just kind of there, and they have a proud history, but not not really recently, and it's just funny, I think, to just watch uh, the you know third biggest city in the country just agonize over this team every year in the exact same ways too. It's always the quarterback is bad, usually. <laughs> and they usually have a good defense that's going to waste for just decades on end. Now it's very humorous uh, if you're just looking for things that are funny in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it would be great if Trubisky gets an extension. I think declining the option is the right call though. But like you said. The skills that are there, they're tantalizing. He has a Pro Bowl on his resume because of the very good Pro Bowl process we have. Uh, he was like an eighth alternate, and so he is a 2018 Pro Bowler. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, he's very Josh Allen to me. They're kind of the same guy. Uh, the Bears coaches certainly don't seem to trust him, which I think goes a long way in not having success, so... You know, you hope he figures it out. I think the funniest actually would be if he goes to a team, I don't know, like the Redskins, uh, and he just figures it out all of a sudden in a more stable environment, and then, like, he actually becomes good and the Bears don't have him anymore. I think that's the funniest scenario. But, uh, yeah, I'm always down for good Bears uh, schadenfreude, so uh, I hope Mitch has a good or 2020 season. <laughs> so that's going to do it for the NFL news and notes. We're gonna now just go right into it. Our uh, our NFL topic of the week, the new title I came up with that we've never used before this week, but I'm acting like it's a segment we do all the time. NFL topic of the week. Perfect. Uh, that just right out of right out of like a daytime ESPN talk show because that's what this segment is about to be. Uh, for you listeners out there who hate first take uh, or those kind of shows, give us a break. It's the off season, and we have some hot takes to give you here. Best and worst quarterback situations in the NFL. With all the quarterbacks mostly sort of settling into various teams, various spots, minus Cam Newton. Somehow Cam Newton still just hanging out uh, and the draft over (laughs) with now. Uh, We want to analyze the top five and bottom five quarterback situations in the NFL. Jason and I have talked about sort of a 
a tangent of this many times in the past, which is we couldn't really understand how in a nation with over 330 million people and football being the biggest sport that we couldn't produce 32 good starting quarterbacks every year. There was there were never 32 good human beings who could play quarterback at an average or above average level and we were stupefied. I think that's kind of changed a little bit and I I can't really believe I'm saying that but it seems in the past uh, up up to this year and the year before um for the first time in a long time, the NFL has maybe an abundance of average to slightly above-average quarterbacks, or at least a number of above-average quarterbacks and then a good number of legit prospects who should, you know, in theory become top starters. So I have two lists of what I think are the best five situations and the worst five situations, and I'm going to allow Tim and Jace to tear me apart uh, and just disagree with whatever lists I come up with. I will admit that I picked a few of these teams as sort of uh, let's have fun with this. So let's dive into it. Um, I suppose we should sort of explain what the definition of a good or bad quarterback situation is for a team. Um, But I'm keeping it kind of vague, actually. If, If you have a veteran stud quarterback right now and your window is right now to win a championship, your team is designed to win a championship right now, and you have that old veteran, really good quarterback, in my opinion, you have a good quarterback situation. If your team isn't very good, but you have a stud prospect, maybe a Joe Burrow, who you're going to try to build around, that's a pretty good quarterback situation to be in too, because at least you have that core piece that you're going to try to build around. And that's my sort of vague description of what team has a good situation. So here are our five best situations and these are ranked in order from one to five in terms of the top five best at number one the kansas city chiefs not really a huge surprise patrick mahomes best player in the nfl the only i don't know hesitation here for him to not be the absolute number one is that he is very close to receiving a gigantic paycheck And that window that we always talk about, win a Super Bowl on your good quarterback's rookie deal is going to be over, and they're going to have to work around just crazy salary numbers for Patrick Mahomes, set to make about $25 million next year, and then he will get a really good deal on top of that. But (laughs) look, I can't can't ignore it. He's the best player in the NFL, 50 touchdowns a year, 5,000 passing yards, so he's, that's the best situation to have. Number two, Ravens, Lamar Jackson. You have an MVP, a future of the NFL type player, and you still have more than one year left on his rookie deal. I have him second. Third, the Seattle Seahawks. I think some people would argue with me that Russell Wilson is a better pure quarterback than Lamar Jackson. However, Russell Wilson on his big deal right now, uh, he is making, or will make, I should say, $18 million, $19 million, 19 million and then 21 million over the next four years and his ages will be 31 through 34 so this is a guy on his second certainly the second half of his career and that's the reason why i just ding him down one spot to three uh, after the ravens number four just looking to stir the pot the green bay packers because guess what they still have aaron Rodgers. they still went 13 and three last season Rodgers is a good quarterback, one of the best in the NFL. Uh, he's His game has changed. Obviously, I think he's 36 years old, but 
like the other older quarterbacks, the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees, he's sort of changed his game to his age, and I don't think he's going to be bad anytime soon. And if you're the Packers, you've officially drafted your quarterback of the future <laughs> that you can't ignore. You have a prospect ready to take on that starting role whenever Rodgers gets pissed off enough to go to another team. And then at five, and this was a toss-up for me, between the Joe Burrow Bengals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I went with the Buccaneers. And that's only because they have a team. Yes, Tom Brady is 42, 43 years old. But they have a team that is absolutely designed to win right now. And they have one of the best free agents they could have ever possibly gotten in the history of the NFL. And he's only there for a short deal. Had he signed the four-year, five-year deal with them, it would have been ridiculous, and I would not have put him fifth. But it's a two-year deal. They're going to try to win a Super Bowl in the next two years, and he just has a good situation there. The perfect coach in Bruce Arians as an offensive mind, and I want to pull up the depth chart. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and a tight end you may have heard of, Rob Gronkowski. It's the perfect short-term situation for a Tom Brady-type quarterback. And those are my five best. Please just just tear this list to shreds. Who wants to go first? Well, I thought you were going to put uh, Tampa because you really believed in uh, depth behind Tom Brady, a big Blaine Gabbert guy. Uh, no, I agree with your first uh, several. I um, I think the Ravens, too, you know, for what it's worth. RG3, probably one of the more competent backups out there, you know, former rookie of the year beat the Steelers. That was fun last season. Um, the real, the real hot take we got to get into is the Packers, but I don't think I disagree with you. I think that is a great situation to be in because yeah, like you said, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the past, they've thrown out guys like, you know, Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser that hasn't worked out for them <laughs> necessarily. Uh, and now if Rodgers gets hurt, because like you said, he's 36. I read that he's actually older than Brett Favre was when they drafted, the Packers drafted Rodgers, which is astounding to me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think if Rodgers goes down, there's worse places you could be than having the guy you took in the first round who you want to be the starter eventually anyway uh play so i don't i think i necessarily disagree with their uh placement on the list if aaron Rodgers goes down their season is screwed (laughs) it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whatsoever the fact that they insulted one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time probably their greatest quarterback of all time i know i know brett i know everybody loves brett but probably their greatest quarterback of all time personally insulted one of the biggest divas in the league who takes offense to literally everything (laughs) makes that quarterback room not as good as it should be by the way Bruce Arians loves throwing the ball down the field we haven't seen that from Tom Brady in a couple years I don't know if he's got the noodle to do it anymore the last time we saw Rob (laughs) Gronkowski he wasn't in football shape what makes us think he's going to get in football shape in a quarantine I know he's got six brothers to wrestle all the time but I don't think that's going to do it You put the bangles? The bangles? You had a debate about putting the bangles in there? You were thinking about the bangles who have an unproven quarterback. I don't care how good he's supposed to be. He had one season at LSU. Yeah, I'm already starting to hate Joe Burrow because he's wearing divisional colors. And you didn't put the Saints, 
The New Orleans Saints, who have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, a stacked roster, loads of weapons, the best receiver in the NFL, a decent running game without decent, a pretty good running game with Alvin Kamara to help him out, also as a receiver out of the backfield, and they just signed a quarterback who's going to improve immensely now that he can freaking see, now that he's got LASIK surgery <laughs> and Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston can see now, and he's with Sean Payton. Drew Brees has got one year. This is the ride or die for Drew Brees' year. They're going to the Super Bowl. You know that's going to happen. The narrative is going to be pushed. The Saints are getting there. I'm, I'm calling it right now. And maybe it's my quarantine brain. I don't know. But that's happening. And they have Jameis Winston, who I still kind of believe in. I still kind of believe in. He threw for a load of yards with Tampa Bay last season. I think he led a number of categories, including interceptions. But those will be cleaned up because he can see linebackers now. The fact that you have the Bucks, the Bengals, and thinking about the Bengals over the Saints is asinine. It is completely asinine, in my opinion. The Packers, I can live with because Rodgers is Rodgers, and, and they have a first-round talent, quote-unquote, in Jordan Love. We still don't know really anything about that guy. But not putting the Saints in there, man. Even And I'm a Taysom, Taysom Hill hater. I'm a Taysom Hill hater, but he counts as a quarterback, whether he's on special teams, whether he's the, the freaking long snapper, whatever it is, he counts as a quarterback. He's in that room too, and Sean Payton loves him. They have to be in that top five. Sorry for going all Skip Bayless on you, man, but that's crazy. I love it. I just – I don't un- – I can't believe you tried to nullify my argument by saying that Jameis Winston is a quarterback worth having on, on your he team as see. your quarterback of the future. He- he can see. Jameis Winston see has now. 88 interceptions in his five-year yeah. NFL career. That was when he was squinting. That was when he was squinting. He's had LASIK now. He's even admitted that he's he's seen things better, and he's like realizing that, oh, yeah, the linebackers drop in cover two. Maybe I need to clean that up. And he's with Sean Payton now. Bruce Arians was like, yeah, whatever. We'll just we'll just launch it again. Who cares? Just keep it going. With Sean Payton, he's going to – and I love Bruce Arians. Don't get me wrong. But with Sean Payton, he's going to have a guy that's going to be hypercritical on him, and I think that's going to improve him. I think, I think. look, all jokes aside, I think Drew Brees plus Jameis Winston, and if you want to throw Taysom Hill as a quarterback, sure, over Rodgers Love, over Gabbert and Noodle Arm Tom Brady, and certainly over we don't know who Joe Burrow is yet. Winston was so desired. Sorry, Jace, just a few quick things, and then I promise I will turn it to you, but... Winston so desired in free agency that he signed a $1 million deal with the Saints at the age of 26. I think he may not start a game for the rest of his NFL career, Tim. I think that's closer to the situation. I probably would have put the Saints 7th uh, or maybe even 6th or 7th. But that is Drew Brees has one season left. As you said, this is the ride-or-die year. They haven't gone to the Super Bowl with really, really good Drew Brees. I think he's certainly not, maybe not. He doesn't have the same physical tools that that he's had in in years previous and then after that you're going to turn to Taysom Hill and maybe Jameis Winston if you give him another one year one million dollar deal and he's one of the most turnover and mistake prone guys I'll ask you just a final thing and then Jace you can take it if you could rather have Winston um or the and I literally caps I've said all these names now I can't even remember who or Joe Burrow if you'd rather have Winston or Joe Burrow going into this season with knowing what Winston is and not knowing what Burrow is, who would you take? Well, I'm going to take Burrow, but that's a completely, completely loaded question, Max Kellerman. That yes. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> First of all, he 
Winston signed that deal with other offers on the table. That's already been reported. He wanted to learn under Sean Payton. He wanted to stay in the NFC South. Those are things that happened. I can't believe I'm a Jameis Winston defender here. Like, this is this is insane. But the fact that you put, <laughs> you, you put Tom Brady, Tom Brady by himself and Blaine Gabbert because he doesn't count. You put that quarterback room. And by the way, this whole championship-ready team, this is a family show, but you know I want to say my you-know-what. That's ridiculous. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to make the playoffs with that with that lot roster. I don't care. I don't care how good you think they're going to be. I think it's ridiculous when they have the Saints in that division and the NFC is loaded with other talent. With this new format, maybe they'll sneak in at 7-9. and nine. Good, good for you. But having the Buccaneers over their division rival and Drew Brees, who has dominated that division, the people of New Orleans, and we've talked about it with What's Bothering Jace, love to complain. If this gets down to the city of New Orleans, they are going to riot on Bourbon Street because of what you just said. Jace, go ahead. So I think that was my only real hang-up is that this definitely seems like Drew Brees' last season. It's kind of been confirmed that he's, like, leaving for, what, Sunday Night Football NBC, or yeah, NBC? NBC. <laughs> uh, you know, a year's time. So I think it was just – and with Winston on a one-year deal, I think for me the only hesitation is the uh, – you're really for 2020. I do think they deserve to be, you know, in this top five, probably best situations. Cause I do think Winston's a very capable backup at this point. Uh, but I think just going forward, uh, I, I just don't know what to expect of them beyond the 2020 season. So that's my only hesitation, I guess, with including them as long, long term outlook. But I think immediately it probably is. So I know that's kind of hedging and splitting the difference. Um, but I did want to read just an incredible quote from our friend Jameis Winston this week uh, discussing his new eyesight. They asked him, what's been the difference? And he said, I can read license plates. I can read street signs. I think the precision and the vision is the biggest difference. And he can now see middle linebackers. The whole thing's going to change. I'm just, just saying it so, right here, right now. I just don't trust the decision-making of a guy who it took this many years to think maybe I should get my eyesight checked. I'm a, I can't read street signs. That's the type of decision-making I do not trust any, any time going forward. But we will we'll see how that how that shakes out certainly so let's move on now to the five worst i i think this list will have a little less uh little less fuel to burn here but this is also in the in order of what i think the, the first name that i say basically the first team is who i think has the worst uh quarterback situation and then we'll get to the to the fifth worst so so to speak so at one the washington redskins uh, they currently have Dwayne Haskins as the starter. I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I feel like he played like five or six games last season. I watched some of those games. I, it did not look like the answer to me at quarterback. I could be proven wrong, but for now I put him uh, as, the, as the worst quarterback situation. And the backup on the depth chart is currently Alex Smith, who has not played in basically two seasons. Uh, ESPN did a just an amazing piece on how his injury uh, recovery went and basically a long profile about uh, how yeah, I think it was it was co-written by uh, his wife Alex Smith's wife um, I please rec I recommend you go to ESPN.com and, and check it out but he's still on the long road to recovery it's been a year and a half there is no guarantee he's even going to play next season and he's currently the backup on that team. That's the worst quarterback situation. 
Second worst, and I think this could have maybe been the worst, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hate to say it. Uh, it's Gardner Minshew, and that's it. Uh, I will give either of you a dollar. I will give the listener a dollar. If you can name their backup quarterback without looking up who it is. So it's the Gardner Minshew show for a season, and I am pretty sure they're going to be in the top five next season trying to draft a quarterback. At three, (laughs) I have the Rams. Jared Goff, good quarterback, sometimes, but just on a disastrous deal that the Rams can't even really get out of anytime soon. So that's, you know, he's not the third worst quarterback in the NFL, but what we saw from him last season paired with how big and the contract is and how many years it has left on it, that's a disaster for the Rams. Fourth worst, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this out loud, and then I know I'm just going to get burned later in the year, but I think it's the New England Patriots right now. They have a fourth-round draft pick that nobody had heard of until Trump, Tom Brady left in Jared Stidham who now has to lead a team that didn't have great offensive weapons to begin with. It's going to be, I guess, the Julian Edelman show in in New England for for at least a season. And now with me saying that, I'm positive that Stidham will win 10 games with them and that they will (laughs) enter the playoffs as a wild card. But that's what I have as fourth worst. And then fifth worst for me, uh, the Carolina Panthers. I have never been a believer in Teddy Bridgewater. He throws the ball five miles an hour. I think he did well with the Saints system and working under their under coach the uh, Peyton, Sean Peyton, and I think for the Panthers he's just a stopgap for like a year type quarterback, uh, and he's a short term solution. They're another team that's immediately going to go get another quarterback, and I also challenge you to name who the backup is on the Carolina Panthers without looking it up. So those are my five worst quarterback situations, and I let you guys tear it to shreds. Yeah, I think the common thread is at least three of these teams are going to be prominently involved in the Trevor Lawrence uh, Derby. <laughs> I think uh, you mentioned the Jaguars. I think they're amongst they're going to be amongst the worst teams in the NFL. They, you know, a team that went to the the AFC were like two minutes from winning the the AFC Championship like two and a half years ago, or uh, in January 2018. So like two years ago, um, you know they. Uh, <laughs> That team's falling apart so quickly. Um, I think I actually do know who their backup is, but only because we ran a story on him. Because I believe it is Joshua Dobbs, and he was a he did an externship with NASA this off season, so that's what he's got going on. Uh, probably a future rocket scientist. Probably not a future NFL QB. Um, uh, as you said, Haskins, uh, yeah, fifty-eight point two percent. Seven TDs, seven interceptions. I don't want to give up on the guy, but also if they, uh, you know, go two and 14, I think the Redskins are drafting Trevor Lawrence next year. (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, to your point, the Panthers, I think the Panthers are also a team very much entering the Trevor Lawrence Derby. Uh, They drafted exclusively defensive players this draft, (laughs) which all seven picks were used on defense, Um, which, yeah definitely makes Bridgewater seem like a stopgap option <laughs> for a more long-term uh, solution. So, um, and then, you know, they have a new owner, so I don't disagree with these. I will throw out one that you didn't list that we have mentioned. I think the Chicago bears can be on this list because I think they have two. Okay. 
quarterbacks, but that's not the position you want to be in. <laughs> I don't think either guy's the answer, and they're paying a lot of money to both. Uh, and so I think that's a that's a problem for them long term. So I'll put the Bears in there too. You know, I shouldn't have asked uh, a, tri- a trivia question to Jace. Uh, great job with the Joshua Dobbs call. However, <laughs> at least according to ESPN, which is not the Bible of depth charts, currently the backup quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars is Jake Luton. Uh, uh, former Oregon State QB? Sixth <laughs> round draft mean? pick. Yeah, so, you know, you're probably right. It probably is Dobbs, but as of today on ESPN, it's Jake Luton who will be ready to go if Gardner Minshew gets hurt in any game. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts here. I don't necessarily disagree. I have a hard time putting the Patriots there because you know they're going to figure it out, which is annoying. Um, the Rams <laughs> still have a starter level quarterback. So I know the money is ridiculous and I completely see that point, but that might be a detractor. I've got a couple other ones here, just a few, and, and maybe they're not on the top five, but guys that we could consider. First of all, Kyle Allen is the backup for the Redskins. Now they <laughs> traded a fifth round pick, uh, to the Panthers for him. And, and the fact that they were debating taking Tua tells you all you need to know about, uh, Dwayne Haskins and maybe the new regime not they're not he's not their guy is the whole thing that they always say he's not their guy so who knows what's going to happen there um Drew Locke got a lot of weapons in the draft and free agency a lot but if he's not the answer that offensively loaded team now could be screwed now I think he'll be fine I think we saw enough out of him but that's just one to consider um I think the Chargers are interesting too you know that's it's kind of the Burrow debate like you were talking about before. Do you believe in Herbert? Do you not believe in Herbert? Um, and then Tyrod Taylor is serviceable, but at best a high-level backup, in, in my opinion. Um, and, and love Tyrod, obviously. A former Raven, probably be a random Raven down the line. But uh, <laughs> but those are two. And then a couple other ones here that I just were thinking about. Do you believe in Daniel Jones? Cause if you, I was thinking about this, too. Because <laughs> if you don't, New York is screwed again. Uh, the Giants, the Giants side, obviously, and uh, Colt McCoy's backing them up. So that's not great. We don't have to have a debate about Daniel Jones, but amazing. Uh, Colt McCoy is still on an NFL roster. But still doing it. Please still doing it. Good for him. Um, I don't necessarily see a ton with that. You can also argue the same thing with Sam Darnold, although he's probably a little more highly touted in circles. And it's with Sam Darnold, it's always he doesn't have the weapons or the line. Uh, and with Daniel Jones, it's he's Daniel Jones. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, a couple other ones. I've got two other ones I want to throw in here. This one I don't think is on this list, but is one to consider. If Philip Rivers is washed. They just paid $25 million for a year of his services, that being the Indianapolis Colts. And Jacoby Brissett, who they gave an extension in the middle of the season, they then signed a quarterback to replace him. So they clearly don't have enough faith in him, which I think is interesting there uh, with Indianapolis. And, Go ahead, Jace. And they they drafted Jacob Eason in the fourth Correct. round. So it seems like they're going to carry three. Jake, Jacob Eason, who for um, armchair scout, watching him pout, when just falling down the draft boards, I was like, I don't want that guy on my team. But that's just, you know, <laughs> I, I get you're frustrated. But he was he seemed like he was very, very whiny about not going in, in the first three rounds. But so you have them there. Uh, a couple other ones. The Bills, if this whole Josh Allen thing isn't real, um, they drafted Jake Fromm out of Georgia. But he's currently listed as the fourth uh, quarterback on this list behind Matt Barkley, still in the league, and Davis Webb. There's a the name. name. 
And then finally, the one I have to save here, because it could go horribly, horribly wrong and it would make me feel so, so good, is the mountain man named Ben Roethlisberger didn't play last year because he was hurt. And he's now 38 years old. And they did not draft one replacement for him. They got a couple weapons, Chase Claypool, to add to those receivers that they have with Juju Smith-Schuster and others. Um, But we saw Mason Rudolph, and we saw Devlin Hodges, and they've signed Paxton Lynch, who is a complete bust from the Denver Broncos. So, again, probably not bottom five because Roethlisberger's still there, but if Roethlisberger ain't Roethlisberger anymore, and we know he's taking some hits, that gets well, real bad real quick for Pittsburgh. And we just don't know where his elbow injury stands. He The whole beard thing was he was growing his beard until he's like back, basically back on the field, I think, was what he said. And, like, he just started throwing, like, a month or two ago. And, you know, that's basically he went, like, five full months without being able to throw a football. And at 38, you know, I think it's a fair point. You just question if he's ever going – to be back again at at least at the Ben Roethlisberger we know. So uh, for our sakes, now the worry is it goes so horribly that they fall into a stop top five stop. pick. Nope. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> but I think their defense is still good enough that hopefully the Ravens won't have to worry. No. About. Just, just tread in mediocrity for a while. Just mediocrity. That's and what we want. The saving grace for me with that is that they still have Mike Tomlin as a coach and he's not the guy. I think if they, do a tank-like season, there's the potential that he's no longer the coach at the end of the year. And I think he knows that and does not want that. So just go ahead and win five to six games, uh, Pittsburgh, <laughs> and then just settle into third or fourth place in the AFC North. All right, so that, those are those points are all well taken. The quick thing that I had time to look up, uh, the Jared Goff numbers quickly. Uh, in terms of statistics, from... 2018 to 2019, he threw 10 fewer touchdowns in the same number of starts, four more interceptions, uh, and his completion percentage went down a few ticks. His salary numbers quickly for the next five years, 31 million, 27 million, 25 million, 25 million, 26 million. Listen, you go Jared Goff, and you go Jared Goff's agent, because you did did great work there. Uh, and we'll see what they can figure out out of that out of that contract and out of that team in the coming seasons. So we were going to do uh, a little gambling section uh, at the end of this episode, but we've had so much fun talking about the best quarterback situations and the worst quarterback situations. We're going to save that for next week. Uh, Caesars Sportsbook put out their over-under win numbers, so we're going to look at a few teams that we think maybe. be... Uh, some some tasty bets to make on on the overs and unders. We'll look at the AFC North teams, uh, and also some some props such as how many rushing yards is Lamar Jackson going to run for next season. We will save that for next week. But the one thing that we do want to go over quickly is the random Raven. So I'm going to just rattle off some clues and see if you guys can get it without uh, a big break here. So <laughs> I'm just going to dive right into it. I rewatched. Uh, the 2011 AFC Championship game uh, a, a few days ago. That's the Ravens' loss to New England. The Why? Billy Cundiff game, Why? if you will. Why would you do that to yourself? Uh, I'm not sure, but maybe Dude, it's because I've watched, a, so, hobby. I've watched so hobby. many of the good wins that I just have to start running through the bad games. You're like, I have to remember what the pain tastes like. <laughs> so my random Raven is uh, 2011 AFC Championship game themed... In a way. So this random raven, 
and this is sort of, I've realized, just my favorite Random Raven caveat, but this Random Raven played one season for the team <laughs> in 2010-2011. He finished second on the team in rushing yards that season behind Ray Rice with 444 yards and two touchdowns in 16 games, all as a backup. Had he played his entire career in Baltimore, his total career rushing yards would easily be number one in franchise history. After a quiet AFC championship game, getting only six carries and 22 yards, he would retire after the season ended, and he is yet another of the long line of Raven former Heisman Trophy winners. So that is my random Raven. I, I'm seeing some furrowed brows. So the last other stat I will say is that he played a total of 11 seasons. I think I counted that correctly. 11 seasons in the NFL. Before the Ravens, he was on two teams. And one of them was certainly how everybody knows this player as a pro bowler. So that's my random yeah. Raven. Jace, I think I said enough uh, yeah, catchwords there. It. Yeah, I think I think I know who this is. I'm I'm fairly confident. I've I believe I've mentioned this player in other random Raven clues before in terms of like the jersey number clue. But but Jace, if if you want to do the honors here, I, I'll let you start. This seems like, and I think why you probably had a little time counting it up because he took a little hiatus in there in his career. I believe this is Ricky Williams. I am also going to say Ricky Williams. Yeah. It is Ricky Williams. Three seasons oh. with the, the New Orleans Saints. One, two, three, four, eight seasons, I guess, with the Miami Dolphins. Missed 2006 and the vast majority of 2007. Rushed for 850 yards in 2002 with the Miami Dolphins. And then in 2011, made a Super Bowl run, tried to get his first ring with the Ravens, and fell one Lee Evans drop short of, of going to his only Super Bowl. So that is my random Raven, Ricky Williams, random as ever. Uh, Fascinating career for Ricky Williams. I think one of the more interesting, you know, the Saints, Mike Ditka trades the entire draft of the Saints uh, to the Washington Redskins to move up to take Ricky the Williams. The entire so draft, which is just, you would <laughs> never like see that now. seven picks. <laughs> he traded all his picks for Ricky Williams. Did not work out. Um, uh, he was traded, but yeah, like you said, had some amazing seasons with the Dolphins. I believe he led the NFL in rushing at least one year while he was there. Yeah, right? that 1,800-yard that uh, season, he led the league in rushing. Average uh, yards per attempt. Uh, and touchdowns with 16. Quite, quite a yeah. season and, that year. And when he left college, you know, all-time leading rusher in the NCAA at the right. time, Heisman Trophy winner. Fascinating guy. Goes on a, a, a hiatus from the NFL, comes back, big-time marijuana advocate. <laughs> Which, interesting at the did. time, I remember it being the most scandalous topic ever. And right. now with, you know, the passing of whatever it is, 10... 10 years or so it's sort of even more than 10 years i guess yeah it's viewed in a very different light than than it was then certainly <laughs> um so listen that's gonna do it for us guys any final thoughts uh this week i'm excited to talk about uh gambling already even though the season hasn't been confirmed or anything we're just gonna dive into some gambling stuff next week i can't wait
So that will do it for us. We will be back next week for Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. Stay safe out there. Stay inside. This is Pod Like a Raven. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.